Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, I just need the Falcons to be competent in the passing game. Let's hope the draft philosophy works out and the Phillies weren't hot going into the Atlanta series. It's all next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by Bet Online. We ask you to head to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms to download, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review there. Of course, now we are on Roku and Amazon Fire. Check us out on those platforms, and then give me a follow at JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. So we talked yesterday. Look. The reality is, that, and I said this at the very the very first things out of my mouth yesterday, it wouldn't have mattered if the Falcons threw it 50 times or five times in that game yesterday. They weren't going to be thrown. There is, there is a bit of a trend, though, that is starting. And I'm always looking for these kind of trends and things like that about what's our philosophy, what's our identity, this, that, and the other. So from a strategy and identity standpoint, we know that we are a heavy run first team. We're going to line up and we're going to come right at you. We've got multiple running backs. We're going to lean on our offensive line, and that's going to be our philosophy. There is a difference, though, in being run first, run heavy, and occasionally throwing it and being incompetent in the passing game. And we're getting closer and closer to where we're incompetent in the passing game. And this is not about the offensive line. Folks, they grade out as the eighth best offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus. They're one of the better offensive lines. If you go, I, I know a lot of you don't like analytics and sabermetrics and all that kind of stuff, but go look at the win rates and pass protection for Jake Matthews, for Chris Lindstrom, even for Caleb McGarry. I know he whiffed on that sack on Sunday, but go look at their pass protection win rates. And I believe that if you look, Mariota has the third most time in the pocket to throw of any quarterback in the league. So it's easy to say, oh, well, they're not blocking. Okay. But when you look at the analytics and the numbers, get away from your eye test that you want to believe in that lies to you all the time. The analytics say they're getting time to throw the football. The problem is your quarterback likes to hang on to it. He can't read through defenses and stuff like that. Okay. That's dealing with his limitations. And again, I'm going to tell you, this is not about starting Ritter. This is about you have to play to what Mariota's strengths are, and you have to play to what this team can do well. You have two guys, and we'll talk about draft philosophy coming up here in a little bit. But you invested the fourth and the eighth overall pick into guys whose job on the field is to catch passes. We can talk about Kyle Pitts being a blocker. That's all great. But I need Kyle Pitts to be the heavy feature in this passing game. So I don't need the Falcons to be great. They're not going to go and win a game where they huck it around 50 times. They weren't going to huck it around enough. But it is fascinating that for as much time as they spent multiple scores behind, because here's the thing. It's great to say we control and we run the football and we control the clock. Oh, and the narrative is, oh, well, we keep it out of the other team's offense. Okay, let's talk about a couple of numbers here. 
again, when Mariota throws it 20 times or less, it's three and one for the record. When it's 21 pass attempts or more, they're 0 and three. So it's still that sweet spot. Now what we're seeing, though, is what the rushing yards are. It's always been kind of in the NFL, the standard of if you can run for 100 yards a game, you're going to be in good shape, right? Well, for a team like the Falcons, 100 yards is not going to get it. So here's where the Falcons are. In their three wins, they average, sorry, in their three wins, yes, they average 183 rushing yards per game. In their four losses, they average 137.25 yards per game. Their two lowest rushing totals this year, 107 last week, 90 against the Rams. They lost both those games. So what's becoming clear is that, okay, so you're going to have to run it for 150 yards, somewhere around 140, 150 yards a game if you're going to be in this game. You start running it for 100, 110, you're not winning those games. But you've got to be competent in the passing game. 183 is a tough number to control and maintain, even for a good rushing team. And if you look at some of Mariota's numbers, he's been pretty good in the second half of games. He's got a 65% completion percentage in the second half games, five touchdowns to two interceptions. His numbers in the first half of games, 59% completion, two touchdowns, two interceptions. His quarterback rating in the first half of games, 84.7. His quarterback rating in the second half of games, 98.2. So what I'm asking is, I'm not asking this team to get away from what it does. But there are times in the NFL when everything just doesn't go your way. You know, eventually teams will start to load up the box to the point of you're not going to run the football. And and then what's the game plan when you're down 10 with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter and you've got 55 yards running the football on the day when you can't get anything going in the running game and you're down two scores what's your plan well we'll just keep running it okay there comes a point where the clock and and game situation doesn't favor that strategy anymore now that doesn't mean you get away from the run but you have to be smart about it and you have to be competent you're going to have to have some trust in the quarterback I thought this was another interesting number for Mariota this year. No huddle where get up to the line, you don't think too heavily, and you go and throw, right? Mariota is 13 for 18 in no huddle situations this year. 72.22% completion percentage. His quarterback rating in no huddle situations, 114.4. So look. Oh, oh, this is another interesting number, too. Play action versus non-play action. In non-play action plays, where you're talking about straight-throwing situations, he's basically at his numbers for the season. 63% completion percentage, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. On play action passing, it's 50%. He's nine for 18 in those situations. So if you give him some easy, quick throws, run a little bit, no huddle, have some sense of urgency. That's what frustrated me about Sunday is I never felt like we had any sense of urgency. Look, if you feel like you can't throw the football, then just end the game. Then just hand the referee the ball and say, all right, we'll see you next week. You're going to have to throw it at some point. That's the NFL. 
You can tell me about running it and this, that, but at some point you're going to have to throw the football. You're going to have to win games in the air. You're not going to go 17 weeks in the league running it for 180 yards. You'll be the most prolific running offense in the history of the NFL if you do stuff like that. Time, situation, things like that. What do you do down 10, nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter? Doesn't mean you have to start airing it out, but Mariota's showing you at least that, okay, no huddle. He's been pretty efficient. Non-RPO, non-play action, okay? He's been pretty efficient in non-play action. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I've got the number eight pick standing on one side. I've got the number four draft pick overall. You know, we don't have Panay Sewell and Micah Parsons and people like that up front because we took the fourth and the eighth and all that good kind of stuff. So I don't need the Falcons to go out there and huck it around and be great. But there are going to be weeks when they're going to have to get out of their comfort zone a little bit and be able to be competent in the passing game. Don't have to be great, but there are some numbers that tell you that they can be effective in situations where they need to. Because, look, P.J. Walker this week, he was outstanding last week. He graded out as the highest-graded quarterback in the NFL last week. P.J. Walker, an XFL player not drafted out of Temple. You can make guys look good if you play to their strengths. I want to talk about my friends over at Bet Online. Listen, World Series cranks up on Friday. Falcons are a touchdown, six and a half, touchdown favorite coming up on Sunday. NBA every night. Hawks are back in action tomorrow night. Look, right now, we are in our equinox of sports, and you want to get in on the action. Best place to go is Bet Online. It is your number one source for all of your sports wagering information. So, look, it's really easy. You take your mobile device and you head to betonline.net today. Check out all of the action that they got going on there. Plus, if you want news, stats, esports, scores, everything, podcast information, everything is available to you at betonline.net. So head to betonline.net today. Use that mobile device. Very simple, very easy. Get in on the action. Everything you want, college football, NFL, hockey, NBA, everything is available to you right at your fingertips. Betonline.net is where the action starts. So one thing that has been very amusing over these last couple of days is how much I'm seeing on social media from Falcon fans and different people, and especially a lot of NFL writers about, well, they drafted Pitts in London with the fourth and the eighth overall picks, and, da, 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 and they're not using them in this, any of it. Look, if you listen to my radio show for the last at least two years, you know, I've been preaching about the idea of, Build your football team from the inside and go outward. I have a very simple philosophy about football, okay? When the guy places the football down on the ground, when the referee puts the football down and spots it, okay? The closer to where that football is your great players are, the better your team is going to be. The further that your great players are away from the football, the tougher it is for you. And that's where, listen, I'm hoping that this all works itself out. This is not about Pitts is a bad player. London is a bad player. Has nothing to do with that. I think Drake London is going to be an excellent football player. I think Kyle Pitts is an excellent football player. And this is not about changing up an offensive philosophy to fit their strengths. But let's be honest. They drafted pass catcher. I told you this months ago, if you go back in the archives and the podcast, the last team that drafted 
two guys, and, and the Lions did it three times. The Lions are the last team to draft pass catcher in the top 10 in back-to-back drafts. In fact, they did it three years in a row. They went three consecutive drafts of top 10 pass catchers. Where were the Lions three years later? They were an 0-16 football team. Now, again, not telling you that the Falcons are about to go 0-16. But this football team was severely deficient in a lot of areas, pass catcher being one of them. I mean, let's, let's have this honest conversation. Would they have drafted Drake London if Calvin Ridley was available this year? Would they have still gone with Drake London? Let's just say that Ridley didn't get suspended and he was available this year. Would they have gone with Drake London? What would have been the philosophy? That That's that's the part to me that's very fascinating. They would have drafted Pitts. And again, I know people said, well, they go with best available player. Okay, every GM says the same thing. They all, they all say they go with the best player available. And guess what? GMs are fired every year in the NFL, okay? How many GMs are fired every year? Like a third of the league every year is fired? Okay, so that that's all great. They all say the same thing, and they all have the same idea, okay? But when you draft bums at the very top of the draft and nothing works itself out, your GM gets fired for it, right? Ask Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace is on the staff for the Falcons. Ask him how it goes when you, oh, I drafted best in this, then the other. Okay, well, he's working for the Falcons as not a GM. He's working here as a consultant. He's not a GM because he got fired. So all that sounds great. I hope this works out. But, you know, if you tell me, well, you know, our offensive line can't block in the passing game. Well, you had a chance to draft Panay Sewell. Go look at where he grades out. Go look and see if he's not one of the best young tackles in the NFL. What was the first thing? Let's go back in time, because I've talked about this guy a thousand times on my radio show. What was the first thing that the Buccaneers drafted when they got Tom Brady? When they picked up Tom Brady, okay, brought him over, did they go out and draft running back, wide receivers to help him out? Did they go draft a pass rusher? No. The first thing they did was, they drafted Tristan Wirfs, who, by the way, they moved up one spot to go get Tristan Wirfs. They actually traded. They flipped positions with San Francisco, flipped one spot with San Francisco. They took Wirfs. The 49ers took Kinlaw. Why? Because that's where they needed their most help. Best available player. Maybe he was, but I know that that's what they needed help in. And what's it led to? I don't know. Did you see last year who was first team all NFL? Go look at the first team all NFL team from last year. Look for that name that says Tristan Wirfs across it. It's fine if you want to tell me that. And, and by the way, the other part of this that's also funny is because people are like, well, well, why did they, you know, why did they draft wide receiver if they knew? Arthur Smith was always going to run the football. Arthur Smith is not changing his philosophy. This is what he did in Tennessee. He had a quarterback that he resurrected in Tennessee with the best running back in the entirety of the NFL. And they were a heavy run first team. But you know what else Tennessee was, though, too? They had done a great job of drafting offensive linemen. You know, the Taylor Lewans, the Jack Conklins. They did a great job of drafting those guys first. They didn't go get Arthur Smith, Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and then draft Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin. They had those guys in place first, and then they got everybody else from there. So, look, do I agree with what the Falcons have done philosophically 
in the first round the last couple of years? Not a bit. And I've made that very clear. I like some of their second round picks. I like Ebba Katie. I like Troy Anderson. I'm good. I like Desmond. I told you Desmond Ritter is my favorite pick from this draft. I like what they've done with some of their other draft picks. D'Angelo Malone and this, that, and the other. You know, last year's draft is, eh, you know, pretty iffy because Jalen Mayfield's, you know, not even on the field for them right now. And I don't expect to see him back as their third round pick. So do I agree with what they've done in the first round of these couple? No, not at all. But it's not surprising. I mean, it just, it, it is what it is. If you say best available and they love these guys and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> their offensive system, and look, even if they have, even if Desmond Ritter started today, if he started Sunday against Carolina, he's not going out and throwing it 50 times. They're not going to be a, look, you're not going to like this, okay? And I know Matt Ryan just got benched for the year in this and the other. They believed that Matt Ryan was going to be, either they were going to have Deshaun Watson or they were going to have Matt Ryan. That's why they drafted what they did. They thought either we're going to have Deshaun Watson or we'll play out a year or two with Matt Ryan. And then the Deshaun Watson fiasco happened and Matt came and said, I want out of here. And he went and negotiated a deal with the Indianapolis Colts. And I understand Matt didn't play well and he got benched and he got he's deserved to get benched because their whole team stinks. Guess what? Frank Reich ain't going to come back from all of this stuff if they don't get things on track. And by the way, they're three, three and one. So it's not like that they're at one and five right now. Three, three and one, and they beat the Chiefs. Oh, because Matt let him down. But anyway, they drafted the way that they did because they thought Matt was going to be here for a year or two. And Matt Ryan is not a run-heavy first passer. He, he didn't get 60,000 yards in this league by always turning in hand. At times he did when he was in his first couple of years. He certainly did turn in hand off to Michael Turner, who went for 1,700 yards in his first year here. They drafted those guys thinking that Matt Ryan or Deshaun Watson were going to be their quarterbacks, not Marcus Mariota. It worked itself out that that's what this is. And they said, you know, look, because look, I believe that they knew Ridley, you know, had his issues and was going to end up getting suspended. And they wanted to have the weapons in place to get their offense on track. So I, I hope this, there's a lot of moving parts to why they did what they did. I hope it works itself out. You know, look, with all due respect, when you tell me about Kyle Pitts having a thousand yards and stuff like that, it, it is what it is, right? But let's hope that this all works itself out. Hey, don't forget, uh, we thank you for making Lock On your first listen every day. Don't forget, check out NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL. Locked On's local experts give you the inside scoop on the five biggest games in the NFL, including Sunday and Monday Night Football. Plus, if they advice from the field's leading experts at Bet Online. Follow NFL key predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast from. So we'll see. I mean, listen, as we said, I hope that this works itself out. They passed on some really good players over the last couple of years that could have helped a lot of things. You look at Parsons, if you had him on defense wrecking games every week, you don't think that they would have their offensive line better figured out with Panay Sewell? Because you could have played him for a couple of years at right tackle and moved him over to left tackle once you wanted to flip Jake Matthews and him around. But they did it thinking that Matt would be here for a couple of years. They didn't, or, or Deshaun Watson would be their quarterback. They didn't plan on the idea of Marcus Mariota having to be the guy that lines up at center 
for all of this. All right, I want to talk about my friends over at Built Bar. Listen, you know how much I love these folks over at Built Bar. We're always looking for low carb, low sugar, low calorie snacks, right? But we want the protein that comes with it. We've talked a bunch here on the show about the marshmallow, the protein infused marshmallow puffs out there. So listen, head to built.com today. Check out their wide menu of all of the different products that they have going on over there, okay? You want low calorie, low sugar, low carb, but you want high protein, they've got the snacks. They've got the regular protein bars. They've got the protein-infused marshmallow puffs. Check out what they have going on at Built.com today. They're always having a new flavor of the month, so try the newest flavors that they have. Get a variety pack. They sent us a variety pack of stuff. I love the berry. You know, I've talked about the s'mores before, coconut and all that. So many good different flavors there. So when you head to Built.com today and you put together your order, when you get to checkout, I want you to use the promo code LOCKEDON15. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, the number one, the number five. Locked on 15 at checkout. You'll get 15% off your order simply by using the promo code Locked On 15 Head to built.com today, put that order together, and use the promo code Locked On 15 to get 15% off at built.com. So as we sit here on Tuesday, we still have a few days, believe it or not, Friday, before the World Series starts. Thought it was funny today. I saw today is the anniversary. Today, Tuesday, November, or sorry, October 25th, is the day of the Bill Bunkner game from 1986. And I remember being at my grandparents' house and watching that game live and, and all that. What's fascinating is, is that two days later on the 27th, the World Series in 1986 was over. They won't even play game one until October 28th. And this thing is potentially going to go into November, depending on whether or not the Phillies can make comeback and all of a sudden, yeah. One of the things that's funny right now is the narrative that I'm he hearing, you know, and again, we talked about this last week, you know, get Leo up. Well, you know, the Braves ran into a buzzsaw and they ran into a hot team and all they did, huh? Because the numbers don't tell you that they ran into a hot team. So perspective, right? As, as my friend, Eric Bischoff says, context is king, right? Ran into a hot team, huh? Okay. The Phillies in the, last 12 games of the regular season were four and eight. They lost their last two regular season games. Then they played the Cardinals and they beat the Cardinals. So they had a whole two game winning streak against, you know, coming into that series against the Braves, by the way, in their last three games of the regular season, or, or I should say it, the, the two playoff games, they only hit one home run. That was the Harper home run that they hit. That was the only home run that they hit. Now we watch them and it's Hoskins and it's this guy and Harper and Schwarber and Bob, they're just mashing all over the place. They were also, at the end of the regular season in the last two games, they were a minus nine run differential and a plus five run differential. They were, they were a minus three run differential the last 12 games and the two playoff games. So where's this hot coming from? Where... Where were they hot? Because they won two games against the Cardinals? The Cardinals won seven more games than the Phillies did this year. You know, now we're going to see that Houston has, this is, I think, the, either the biggest or the second biz, biggest differential in wins from one team versus another in World Series history. Well, it won that way when they played the Cardinals, and they weren't hot. I, I mean, this is what scares me about the Braves. Okay, and I'll say this, and, and yeah, I know you won't like it, but 
the Braves caught lightning in a bottle last year. Go look at what Eddie Rosario did this year. Eddie Rosario was dreadful this year. He was the NLCS MVP. Go look at Jorge Slayer, the World Series MVP. He was dreadful this year. Those guys were dreadful. They were dreadful in the regular season last year. They were dreadful in the regular season this year. But they caught fire, right? You caught lightning in a bottle. Everything worked itself out. It's crazy to think that, look, let's just for argument's sake say the Braves make a run at DeGrom. Or let's just say they make a run at any veteran pitcher. All right, well, Freed's going to be here because he's under arbitration. They'll, they'll sign him up. We know that Charlie Morton's got a deal in place for next year. Strider's coming back. Kyle Wright's going to be back. Okay, so there's four guys. Who's going to be that fifth spot? If they go get DeGrom, guess what? He's your fifth starter. Or if they go get a veteran, what does that mean? Forget Mike Soroka because we don't health-wise. What about Ian Anderson? The guy who might have been your best pitcher two years ago in that World Series run out there. So it's just funny how the narrative of these things comes along. Oh, the the Braves caught a buzzsaw and the Phillies were hot. No, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't hot. They weren't doing what they do now. Now they're hot. Now that they beat the Braves and beat the Padres, now they're hot. But they weren't hot coming into the playoffs. They weren't hot coming into the Braves series. They were two and two in the last four games that they played before heading into the Braves series. That's not hot. Being a negative run differential is not hot. Hitting one home run in a two-game playoff isn't hot. But that's the way we have to kind of spin this thing. That's the way we kind of have to look at it. I, I said it was a disappointment for the Braves this year. It was a failure. It was a failure not getting out of the divisional series. I don't care if they won 100 games. I don't care if they overtook the Mets. The Mets are a failure too. It's about your, about your postseason legacy. And this is what scares me about it. We're talking about five division titles, and they'll be the favorite going into next year, probably no matter what they do, because their whole core is back. And what's it going to be? You know, I, I don't want this thing to turn into the 90s of one World Series and 15 divisional titles and all that kind of stuff. Now, we got a long way to go before we start getting into that realm. But... It is the one World Series appearance in five divisional titles that they've won. But let's not create fake and false narratives, fake news that the Phillies were hot and we ran into a buzzsaw. No, the Braves stunk. That's the difference. They went up against a team that they had 14 more wins than, had beaten 11 out of 19 times, had a plus run differential against. Philly was... Two and two in its last four. They were six and eight in their last 14 with a negative run differential. They weren't hot. But now that's in there. Oh, man. Braves. Look at the Braves. They ran into a hot team. And a, no, they didn't. They didn't. That's, that's fake news. That's a false narrative. But that's our way of feeling good about all of it. Braves caught lightning in a bottle themselves last year. You know, again, to get the contributions out of Rosario and Soler, who did nothing in the regular season, did nothing in the regular season this year, did nothing. At one point, Rosario was hitting 058 midway through the season. Oh, he had the eye surgery. Well, he maybe should have gotten two new eyes. He should have gone Tom Cruise in Minority Report and just had both of his eyes replaced because he only hit about 200 for the year. So 
let's stop the fake narratives. Braves bats went completely silent and were shut down in that series. They didn't run into a hot team. They didn't run into a buzzsaw. They stunk. That's on the Braves. Give the Phillies credit for taking advantage. By the way, who pitched in game one? That wasn't Wheeler. That wasn't Aaron Nola. That was Ranger Rick. Ranger Suarez. Who, you couldn't pick him out of a police lineup if your life depended upon it. So whether it was Rico Suave, Ranger Rick, Tito Santana, whoever was pitching in game one, that one Wheeler and Nola. They didn't run into a buzzsaw. Wasn't like Ranger Suarez was 8-0 with a buck ERA his last eight starts in Major League Baseball. They stunk it up. Let's. Why can't we just call it like it is? Give the Phillies credit. They're hot now. And guess what? They're probably going to get clubbed by the Astros because the Astros are, without question, the best team in baseball, especially of what's left. I mean, you know, they've been the best team in baseball, maybe along with the Dodgers, for most of the entire year. And they're probably going to club the Phillies when all is said and done. But this idea of they were hot and all that, they weren't hot. Nothing, there's no metric that tells you that they were hot coming in the Braves series. Braves caught lightning in a bottle last year. None of that replicated itself this year. Well, we thank you so much for making uh, Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. For your next listen, make sure you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. They're available on our on Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast from. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Landing in the search browser, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment there. We're also free and available on Odyssey, Spotify, all of your favorite podcast platforms. Wherever you download your podcast, you can find us there. Don't forget to Roku and Amazon Fire. Those are the places where you can also check us out, and a lot of you use those platforms. Check us out for free there, and of course, follow me at JMCH316 on Twitter. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta.